Hey, welcome today to the Revival Way podcast. I am your host, evangelist, Taylor Michael. Today we're going to pump you up full of the Word of God to get you delivered out of any work of the enemy and to get you empowered and activated to go out and build the kingdom of God with full faith and no hindrance in the mighty name of Jesus. Enjoy. There we go. Finally. Hey. What's up, man? Not much. Did you get a, like a phone call from the app? Yeah, it came through like a phone call. And then when I answered it, it like took me straight to stereo. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> this is my uh, second one. This app is cool. I, I like it a lot, actually. I like how it works. Yeah, but, uh, me too. It, it is a lot of fun. It's, I mean, it's like low low maintenance you kind of just get to hang out and talk nonsense you know yeah, it's basically like you get to get use out of a phone call that you'd make in private and there's people that might be able to get something out of it which is pretty cool so and you can upload it to your podcast <clears throat> yeah it is nice so what do you got going on this week you're uh doing some outreaches this week i saw you're preaching yeah, well, actually, so we preached last week out here in Iowa. We did uh, – it was a crazy weekend. We had – Jonathan was in Lincoln, Nebraska, so we went and saw him Friday night. And then Saturday all day we had an outreach type of event, fed like 50 families in the morning and then another 100 in the afternoon and had a wow. good turnout. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Had a, Just had a great time. And then we drove back the next morning early to go spend the day in Lincoln and to uh, just hang out with Jonathan again. So it was a crazy weekend, a lot of fun. The Lord moved. Yeah. And it, it was great. But this week we kind of we kind of have off. What about you? How's Houston? Um, well, I told you on the text, but I thought the youth rally started tonight, Wednesday, but it actually doesn't start till tomorrow. So today I'm free. Um, so just kind of hanging out, probably just going to prepare and study for tomorrow because in Huntington, Texas, uh, we're doing an outdoor three-day youth rally, and uh, there's a church that's connected to it and a pastor, and they've been flyering the neighborhoods about advertising for it. And so we're believing for young people to come out to hear the gospel. And it's actually pretty significant for me because it's the first um, outdoor outreach I've ever done. And so I'm excited because that's what I want to do. I mean, I really, really enjoy preaching in churches and doing revivals. Like, I love doing that. But obviously, being an evangelist, I have a heart for the lost. And so I'm really excited. And I know you do that all the time. And so actually, one of the things I want to talk about and ask your advice on was preaching to unsaved people. You know, for because I know for me, um, most of my life has grown up in church and around Christians and so preaching to someone that's been saved for 20 years is very different than preaching to someone that's just coming in off the street. You know what I mean? Wow. So, uh, so I, I wanted to just 
ask you, like, what are some pointers that you'd give to someone? Because you're excellent at it, and I've heard you preach, and you do it all the time, and you're great at it. So what are some things that you've learned doing that? Well, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously for me, I I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I have some experience on that end, which is nice. But what, honestly, what the Lord led me to do when I first started doing outreaching, because just to backtrack a little bit, when I first got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost, man, it was like someone lit a Roman candle and just let me loose. And I was like running to Walmart, praying for people, leading people to the Lord. I was running into the gym, leading people to the Lord in the gym. I was, there's only one church in our area and it's an hour away. And so I would drive yeah. all these like college students up there to get them baptized in the Holy ghost. It's the only spirit filled church in the area. So I kind of, yeah. was a loose cannon, but uh, I mean, rather have wildfire than no fire at all. Praise God. But what I noticed helped me the most was actually before I got saved, I was in direct sales and uh, I did a lot of fitness stuff, did a lot of personal training and selling supplements. And what I felt the Lord tell me to do was to treat it, preach it the same way that I would almost do a sales pitch. I don't want that to sound strange, but there was, I get you. Yeah. There was four key things that I would always do in a sales pitch in order to close a sale. And number one, it was always relate with the person I was talking to. So if I was talking to someone on the street that I knew had an addiction issue or they were homeless or uh, they just had a bad upbringing, I would find common ground in that area and just relate and share the gospel with them from that point of view and share my story in that area of how I could relate to them. And then the second point was to immediately share my story. So, I mean, I got to the point where I could share my testimony in like 30 to 60 seconds or even better share the testimony of Jesus and how, whatever area of life they're in, how the Lord took them out of that pit, put them on solid ground and saved them and how he'll do it for them too. And uh, he's no respecter of persons. He did it for them. He'll do it for you and build their faith in that area. And then kind of go from there straight to, to close the deal. And I've noticed the most important aspect of that is being relatable because I mean, especially in America, you know, it's, there's such a, a bad name, I suppose, against, preachers or whatever you know i mean when they look at someone and they just think you're just another preacher you're just another christian trying to get them to follow your religious uh reticate then <laughs> they won't listen to you as much but when you actually come at them from like a hey man god doesn't respect persons and he doesn't look at you any different than he looks at me the only difference is jesus i've noticed that that helps the mm. most yeah that's awesome man and uh i'll definitely keep those things in mind because it is very different because obviously someone that's on off the street unsaved they don't know all of your christian terminologies that we use in the church and so it's a much different style and art i think preaching to unsaved people and obviously you can go on youtube and like i do like i watch billy graham all the time and uh one of the things that he said that always stuck with me is that when he wrote a message for those big um crusades that he would do he would imagine um a child a businessman and a widow and he would imagine those three people were listening to him at the same time and he would write his message in a way that each one of those different people would be able to receive christ in the same way um so a a child could understand it a a wealthy businessman that's intelligent and has people underneath him and has authority can understand it. And then a widowed woman 
that's heartbroken or whatever could understand it and receive Christ. And so obviously I'm sure part of it, as you would probably agree, it's just, you have to keep doing it and you get better the more you do it. Um, but it is an, an art and a grace, I think, to be able to preach to people from all different walks of life um, that are broken and hurting and need the Lord and be able to reach those people. And so I really appreciate uh, your advice on that. I'll take that to heart and I'm excited um, to do it. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk to with you about was because I find I find you very interesting because I saw um, your live you did. And that was awesome. Your the live you did yesterday. Um, and I know I joined early and almost ruined the flow of it, so I apologize for that. No, that uh, was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> but, yeah, that was awesome. But uh, I just wanted to ask you, because I know you got your start in FCA, which for those of you that are listening is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I know you kind of got your start speaking about, you know, your testimony and how and what God did for you in that area. But what for you – drew you to people like my cousin Jonathan or just like spirit filled uh, preaching and the way of doing that? Like what, what was it for you where you saw one side of Christianity without the spirit and then you gravitated more towards the Holy ghost? What did that for you? Oh man, what a good question. I mean, it's immediately what I think about is in first Corinthians two, when Paul said, that I didn't come to you in like the wisdom of man and folly speech, but I came in the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And when he said that, that verse sums up the literal difference between what what I would say is, uh, I don't want to say necessarily lukewarm Christian, but what I experienced beforehand versus after, because the reality is, is a faith that's not built on the power of God is, uh, I'll just say it's a lofty faith. It's like there's no substance there, you know, and that's it's, what I it's experienced. Kind of empty. Exactly. Just it's it's empty. There's yeah, there's no substance to it to the spirit there in your own heart. And I mean, I went to a Christian college that was like <clears throat> reformed, Calvinistic through and through. Didn't believe in any of the spiritual gifts, none of that. But that was before I was actually saved. And while I was yeah. in that, while I was in that Christian college, is when my spiritual father actually led me to the Lord and he was filled with the Holy ghost uh, 15 years ago or whatever. So he was plugged into our church out here in, in South Dakota and it's uh, non-denominational, but they both graduated from Rama. Uh, the pastors there, they've been pastoring for over 40 years, like no incidences, no scandals, totally pure, like solid, man. It's just, they're a rarity to find. Yeah. And I saw the Holy ghost flow in that place and there was just something about it on the inside of me i genuinely believe being on both sides of the fence i genuinely believe that there is and i know it i mean according to the scripture there is something inside of you that has a longing for the supernatural signs and wonders of god and no matter what whether you're saved or not there is something that tugs at your heart the holy ghost will tug at your heart every time that you're in an atmosphere like that and so i would see i guess a little bit about my story when i got led to the lord Nothing really changed other than the fact that I got born again. But six months later, I had this undeniable thirst about my spirit. I couldn't get enough. I locked myself in my apartment for three months straight, and I didn't leave. All I did was read the word, fast, pray, listen to guys preach the word. And it it was like this wilderness season, I guess, if you will, where all I did was want more and more of God. But there came a point where I was like, 
I don't know how to get any more. And it was at that point yeah. when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I started to see people get healed. I saw people get delivered. I saw people get out of wheelchairs. I saw people speaking in other tongues. I saw like miracles, signs and wonders happen. And suddenly my faith was so stirred that I was like, how could I ever, <laughs> ever go to the church <laughs> or ever plug in with the community that doesn't see this stuff happen? It just, it was right. impossible from that day forward. Yeah. I love that, man. You know, one thing that honestly frustrates me is I'll tell you one thing that's on my heart, just, you know, talking to you like as a friend is uh, there is a, a university nearby where I live in Virginia, and there is a square that they have within this college. And within this square, they have a rule where anybody can come without even having permission or um license or anything you can come and you can preach or you can talk about whatever you want and uh there's these preachers that come you know and they're the kind of preachers that wear the big signs around their neck and you know you're going to hell and you know that kind of guy you know yeah. what i'm talking about yeah. and uh you know I, I have friends that go to that university and, and they're frustrated and they feel and they're and they come from church backgrounds because i grew up with these people and uh it frustrates them because the only Christianity that people that are going to universities see, the only Christianity that these young people um, have to identify with is that guy with the big giant sign around his neck with the megaphone telling everybody that they're going to burn in hell for eternity, you know? And exactly. uh, I just thought to myself, and I know you're already doing this kind of stuff and it stirs me up when I see it, you know, on your, on your social media. But what if there was just somebody that said, you know what, why should we just sit around and do nothing and let the only Christianity and the only Jesus these people know be those kinds of people? When you know that you're anointed of God, you know that you have the love of God, you know that God has called you to do something. What if someone just said, you know what, I'm going to go to that college university square and preach the love of God biblically and with love and with power and let God move. And, you know, I have it on my heart, you know, to do that. And, uh, but I wanted to ask you because I think God's already raised you up and put you in a place where you have a big platform with young people and college aged, uh, not just like people from overseas, you know, cause another thing that frustrates me is you feel like, or I feel sometimes like the only way to have these big giant crusades where people are getting miracles and signs and wonders is you have to get on a plane and go to Africa or go to South America or someplace. But you know, you wonder like, why can't we have that? in America? Why can't we bring that same kind of revival to a university in the United States? And so I want to ask you, like, what do you think it's going to take for revival to break out in young people in the United States? And I know you've, you're already seeing it in your area and what you're doing, but what do you think that would take? Like, what do you think? Man, I think, well, yeah, like you said, we're already seeing a little bit of it, but what I noticed is there's, there's a downfall, like a pro and a con to this past generation, this millennial generation, because the reality is, I think, I think Jonathan said this the other day, which really struck me funny was the millennial generation has no idea what is going on. Like they, they, and I mean, <laughs> Gen, Gen Z too. I mean, it's like genuinely people do not know their Bible. They don't know God. They have this, this concept slightly of religion, checking the box and going to church on Sunday, but they don't yeah. know the power of God. 
they haven't experienced it. But, and even though that's bad, at the same time, it leaves them extremely susceptible to it. And what I noticed was there's a natural poorness of spirit in this generation right now that is uh, like something I've never seen before. All the generations above it are very, for lack of better words, set in their ways. But our generation is actually extremely poor in spirit because it's so far removed, the power of God, and not in not all areas, but in most areas is so far removed that they don't even realize it's a thing. So they don't they don't have uh, the the knowledge to, to hate it or love it. They just simply are ignorant of it. And I experienced right. it even at a, a reformed Christian college where I'll share a little story uh, just about yeah, the miniature revival that we saw at our college. And at this little reformed college, there was about 13 people that would show up at this Monday night worship session that was totally student led. No staff had anything to do with it. And uh, I'm not the type to like hype myself up. This has nothing to do with me, but this is just my experience. When I got baptized in the Holy ghost to the best of my knowledge, I was the only person on the campus out of 1400 students that was baptized in the Holy ghost. And like I said, I just went off like a loose cannon and I just started taking people to this Monday night worship and praying for them to receive the baptism of the Holy spirit. And all of a sudden I had this like little posse around me of all these people. They were getting baptized <laughs> in the Holy Ghost and we're yeah. praying for people to get healed. We're praying for deliverance. And I'm not kidding you. That Monday night worship that started off with 13 students by the end of the semester, which was about three and a half months at the time, was that over 200 students in this little tiny room packed like sardines and people were like crawling to get into this worship service on Monday nights. And there wasn't even any preaching of the word. It was just worship. And we'd run around, pray for people. People would come up for deliverance and all that stuff. So it was, I genuinely think the idea that you have about going to a place like that, there's, I mean, you could throw up any picket fence sign you want and it's not going to draw anybody. I don't care. I mean, you could have a picket fence sign that says, I'll give you a million dollars. If you come say hi to me, people are going to be creeped out. They want nothing to do with it. But if you go up there in the power and the demonstration of God and you start busting out words of knowledge, the Lord starts working through you. You preach with anointing. The anointing yeah. still works everywhere. The anointing works. It doesn't True. matter where you're at in an alley. You could be in the most religious school in the nation. Like, I mean, arguably, I think I attended. <laughs> and, uh, and, and man, I still watch it work. So I think, funny enough, uh, what's the scripture in the Old Testament? You might be able to remind me where uh, the Bible says, return to the ancient ways, you know, yeah. where, where the Bible says, just go back to how it started. And I think what you're doing yeah. is, I mean, you're so far on the right path already. I think what it really is going to take is just guys like like us and other great young men and women of God that are just going to rise up and say, I'm just going to go in there and kick the picket fence weirdos out of there. And, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> yeah, I think what you're referencing is Isaiah 61, where the Bible says that you can repair the breach and restore the paths that you, people used to dwell in. Yep. And uh, really, that uh, another Bible reference that just came to mind in my spirit while you were talking was, you know, in the Old Testament, where the Bible says that there arose a Pharaoh that knew not the God of Joseph. Yep. And that when he rose up, that's when he didn't know the God of Joseph, that's when he put the people of Israel into bondage, into slavery, because their, their time had passed and generations had passed that no longer knew the power of God because they hadn't seen it demonstrated in so long. And so the Bible says there arose a Pharaoh that knew not the God of Joseph. And to me, like that, 
so perfectly depicts modern Christianity and what young people see. And maybe it was a, it's a mistake of mine to think that people would be creeped out. And I don't think, honestly, if I, I think if you're anointed and you preach from the power and love of God, people won't be freaked out. They might, it might be new for them. But if it is genuine and if there is a move of the spirit, they will gravitate towards it. Um, but I think Absolutely. there comes a point where like there's this idea in your head that you think, oh, no one cares about this. No one wants to be on fire for God. Everybody's just distracted with whatever's going on in pop culture or on social media or whatever else they're doing. But in reality, you have to get to a place where you know more than anything else that what you have is what the world needs, that what you have is a treasure. The love of God is the greatest thing that there is. And so you're not ashamed to preach the gospel. You're expectant and you're ready and you want to run with full force and do what God called you to do because you know in your heart that you have the answer for the world. Um, You know, there's a song that we used to sing growing up. It's an old song, but it just says, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. And I think Christianity has gotten to this place where they're almost ashamed of Christ. You know, they're trying to make church cool. They want everything to be appealing. They want everything to feel comfortable. They want everybody just to feel that they can do whatever they want and come to church because they feel if they confront anybody about an issue or if they demand any uh, ounce of integrity or righteousness or holiness or purity, that they'll run people out of the building. But for me, I'm concerned because what is the point of building something if the holiness and the true power and the word of God isn't evident in what you're doing? Um, And so I think that time is coming to an end. And I think like what God's doing in your life and what God is doing in a lot of young people's lives all over the place right now is there's arising a generation that's so tired of that. They're so tired of lukewarm Christianity They're so tired of one foot in the world and one foot in church and just want something real and genuine and authentic and a real move of God that's undeniable. And I believe it's already happening. You know, I'm not one of those people that's just like, you know, revival's coming. Revival's going to be here next week and (laughs) revival's going to be here next year. And someday soon we're going to see revival. No, I, I think revival is already taking place and it's just going to get stronger and stronger until Jesus comes back. You know, and one of the things that stirred me up is because I watched the replay of your live yesterday and you were talking about the agendas of what people in the world are trying to implement right now and how uh, closely that ties to Bible prophecy and the second coming of Christ. And so we know more than ever before that Jesus is coming soon. He's never, it's never been more, um, evident that Christ is coming very, very soon. And so if time is running short, then I don't believe it's in the nature of God to go out a loser. I don't think it's in the nature of God to go out in defeat. And so I believe with all my heart, Talon, and I know you do too, that revival's already here and God's already raising up young people. They're going to take a stand for him and see his hand move before he comes back. But it's going to take boldness. It's going to take people that are unashamed and not worried about being criticized or made fun of or anything like that. And uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, I just want to know, like, from your end, I'll, I'll pose another question to you. And uh, I know you you popped on for one of my lives I did a little while ago now about 
um, my concern of how there's like a worldly spirit trying to mix with Christianity and especially like in worship culture and stuff like that. What, what is your take on what we need to do as leaders, you know, and I consider us leaders for, uh, for young people in the body of Christ to call out holiness in a way that's still loving, but also puts a line in the sand where you know what's good and what's evil so that we can see what God wants to do in this last hour of time. Yeah. What's coming to, to spirit right now is an old uh, D.L. Moody quote. And I think he stole it from like St. Francis or something like that. But the, the, the quote is, uh, at all times, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. And mm-hmm. this quote refers to people's lifestyles. I think, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, man, I appreciated your, uh, your where's, where are the watchmen live? Because it's so true there. There has to be a watchman mentality when it comes to the body of Christ. And uh, I mean, we are young. So when it comes to young people, we are responsible for, for our own generation in that sense. But what I've noticed has been the most fruitful with keeping people holy, keeping people out of the world and not looking like the world is literally being the exact opposite of the world. And I'm not talking like jean skirts and wearing a hat in church, but <laughs> I'm talking there is something being, being comfortable in your own skin. You know, there's i I'm reminded of evangelist John in this podcast where he did like crushing insecurity in our generation. Yeah. There is so much insecurity. It is frightening. It's a nightmare. It is yeah. like, it, it's so sad. And it honestly hurts my heart because uh, I mean, growing up, I didn't have the best childhood growing up. My life was nuts growing up. But what I did have was my dad always affirmed me which was really, really special to me. And I didn't grow up my whole life having my dad in my life, but my memories that I do have of my dad, he would always affirm me when it came to sports or whatever. He never made me feel like there was anything in my life that I couldn't do. But with this generation, it seems like the majority of kids either weren't affirmed in the home or whatever. I mean, I don't want to make every other excuse, but with social media and everything, you can just feel that there's an insecurity, a spirit of insecurity that's overtaken a lot of people. And because of that, they just want to fit in. They want to go in with the world. And the Lord spoke to me about six months ago. I was, uh, I was in a time of fasting and prayer and, and, uh, I won't get into the whole story, but I felt the Lord speak so clear to me. And he, I shared this a little bit on my live stream yesterday. He said, Taylor, the movement that's happening right now is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And there's Christians that are becoming friends with this spirit that's happening in the world, the antichrist spirit. And he said, being a friend does not mean that you're always a partaker. Being a friend just means that you're walking in the same direction. I mean, just like the Bible says, how can two go in the same direction unless they agree? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. how you, when you're a friend with the world, it doesn't mean you're going to the clubs every weekend. It doesn't mean that you're sleeping with your live in boyfriend, but it does mean that you're, you're, uh, you're entertaining that same spirit, that same lifestyle. And what I've noticed is these high school kids, these college kids that come around uh, me, my, my circle of influence that I have around me, they're so shocked that people can live a life of purity, a life of holiness, and still live like a fun, successful, not baptized in pickle juice kind of Christian life. <laughs> right. Which, like, I mean, people forget that when you're a Christian, there's joy, man. Like, I, man, right. I, I know what it's like to not be a Christian. And my life sucked. Before I was a kid. <laughs> when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I became a friend 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, my li- I've never had a bad day since, and it's been the best four Praise years God. of my life. Yeah, but some people don't think that, that that's the way. So I think, uh, I mean, I said all of that to try and answer your question here. I don't think there is one answer to the question. I think what it's really going to take is secure people baptized in the Holy Ghost. They know the Lord, they love the Lord, and they love his word. I'm reminded of Hebrews 1 verse 9, where it says that Jesus was anointed more than his brethren because he loved righteousness and he hated wickedness. See, yeah. there's, there's something inside of people because right now we're in that limbo stage where the generation that we're in has still had a little taste of Christianity. They've had a taste of church. They know God's word just enough to know the difference between right and wrong, holiness and wickedness. So mm-hmm. when you come and you expose, kind of like I did last night and the way that you did with your live stream a, a week ago or so, when you actually expose lawlessness, people see it for what it is. And like the Bible says, darkness cannot overcome the light. The light will expose the darkness and the darkness yep. does not overcome it. So I think just being like solid men and women of God that have a good time in life and they're not like uptight running around with a wedgie all the time, but actually (laughs) like having the joy of the Lord, you know, being a fun, interactive, somebody that people want to lead or follow when you're just the solid leader. I think, I mean, yeah, there's so many answers to that question, but I think that's where the root of it really comes from. Yeah. I mean, there's such a, a lie from the enemy to me in our generation of, you know, love, 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 love. And so they have this false idea of what love is. They think love means that you never call somebody out if they're doing something wrong. They think it's love to allow someone to remain in a lifestyle that will ultimately kill them and send them to hell. But to me, you know, the example that I've always been taught is what if there was a child playing on train tracks and a parent was watching their child play on on train tracks and they saw that a train was coming and that if they didn't correct their child or remove their child from that path that that train would take their child out you know our generation would say oh no it's love to keep allowing that child to play on those train tracks because that's what they want to do they're having a fun time they're enjoying themselves whatever but no that's not true love that would be insanity it would be insanity to just allow a child who remained in that path, knowing that danger is coming very, very soon if there's not correction that takes place. And it's such a lie from the enemy because it's a lie that keeps a generation bound and they don't even know they're bound. They, they have this idea that grace from God permits them to live any way they want to live and then just ask for forgiveness at the end of the day. But, um, The Bible says in Hebrews, I believe, that if someone continues to sin knowingly, then there's no longer is any sacrifice for sins available. And so there is a point where you can reach where you just keep on living a lifestyle that you know is displeasing to the Lord. And you do it with a knowing conscience that to a point you sear your conscience to a point that there is no longer forgiveness for your sins because you've used up the forgiveness by remaining in a lifestyle that doesn't please the Lord. And for me, like, and I know for you, like we've, we've been talking about it recently. Um, but there's almost like this intimidation, I believe for preachers where you feel like, Oh, you know, if I talk about this kind of stuff, uh, I'm going to be criticized. I'm going to be called judgmental. I'm going to be seen as like this harsh guy. Maybe there'll be opportunities that I could have gotten 
Uh, otherwise, if I didn't say anything at all. And there's just such this like political uh, kiss babies and shake hands kind of thing where you just feel like, oh, I just have to kiss up to everybody and be everybody's best friend and not uh, approach things from the Bible to be accepted and to be popular and to get opportunities and to grow. And I, I've made up in my mind, and I'm sure you would agree with me, that I would rather be in communion with God. I would rather say what God wants me to say. I would rather please the Lord with my life and with my ministry than to have millions of followers, have the best-selling uh, whatever, preaching CD or whatever people do now. I would, I would rather please the Lord with my life than to be accepted by the world. Um, you know, one thing I love that Charles Spurgeon said, he said that if the Lord called me to preach, why would I stoop to be a king? In other words, if I'm called to be a preacher of the gospel, why would I lower myself to be anything less than that? Being a minister and being a preacher, doing what you're doing, is not a less thing. It's the greatest thing of all. It's the greatest thing that someone can do with their life. To lay down their light for their friends, the Bible says, is the greatest love that there is. And that's what ministry is. It says, I would I would be mocked. I would be spat upon. I'll, I'd be beaten. I'd be thrown into prison. I would do anything just for the opportunity for one person to receive the love of God and have their life forever transformed. I would do anything. I would go anywhere. I would face any person, I would face any criticism just for one person to receive the deliverance and the anointing of God to be set free from everything that's tried to bind them. And I know God's raising that up right now, Taylor, and I know you've already seen it. And I and I know maybe maybe I'm preaching to the choir right now, but I'm just stirred up about it because I can see it's happening already. You know, I, I'm really excited. I'm not one of these people that's like bitter. And is like, oh, well, no one cares about this stuff anymore. And it's not like it was 50 years ago, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I don't want to be like one of those guys. You know, I'm very thankful for what God's done. I'm very thankful for people like Jack Coe and A. Allen and William Branham and C Catherine Kuhlman and uh, Maria Etworth Edder and all these great men and women of God. I'm very, very, very thankful. And I watch them all the time. But I believe that we can see even greater than what those people did right now in 2021. And I believe it's already starting. You know what I mean? Amen. Absolutely. And I think what stood out to me about what you were just saying is uh, this <clears throat> common fear that I think people fall into, like you said, where they think, oh, no, if I, if I go onto a platform and I preach about this, either one, people are going to be really turned off or I'm just going to sound like a lunatic because it's so opposite of how everybody else is speaking right now. And yeah. even yesterday when I, when I did that live stream, most of the time, I mean, if I preach or if I'm doing a live stream, very rarely do I go on there and like, just let my ranting side come out. Most of the time, my objective is to like, get people out of the pit. You know, I want to build them up, build their faith, get them delivered, get them touched by the yeah. Lord. But yesterday I felt the Lord just put it so heavy on me when I was at the gym. You got to go and like slap people around a little bit in a great way. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. But the crazy thing is, is I put that out there and this is just a testimony to, uh, to anyone that might listen to this so that they, they don't feel weird. I obeyed the Lord and I did it. And I went and I shared all those scriptures. I went through probably a dozen or two dozen different scriptures going through everything the Bible says about what's happening in this present day, in this generation and where the world is going and how to go against it. And I thought, man, people are not going to listen to this. They're going to say, Taylor, you're coming off too crazy. You're coming off too intense. Are you sure? 
And lo and behold, this is just funny to me. Jonathan shared it on his story. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I never asked anybody to share it, but it sparked like this chain of all these people sharing it with all these other people. And all of a sudden it was like, it's just a flood of support and stuff. When I totally yeah. thought that was literally the opposite of what was going to happen. And I'm sure that was your experience with the Watchmen video too. But yeah. it just made me so glad. I was like, you know what? Praise God I was obedient. And I just put the word out there because obviously people needed to hear it. And for anyone that would listen to this, if God puts something in your heart, just share it. Who cares? I mean, if God is for you, who can be against you? And if everyone yeah. is against you, God is for you. Don't worry about it. But what I am really excited about, just like you said, this is really cool. I don't know if, you, uh, if you've if you read like old Bible or not Bible prophecy, but old prophecies from like Kenneth Hagin. Smith Wigglesworth, William Mm. Branham, all these great men and women of God throughout uh, the 1900s. But Smith Wigglesworth actually had a prophecy, I believe, is in 1947. And he prophesied that the greatest move of God, he told Lester Sumrall before he died, he said, the greatest move of God is going to hit the planet. You're going to see the beginning of it, but I'll already be passed away. And when he said that, he said, it's going to be a coming together, a joining of, for lack of better words, Pentecostals, charismatic people and people that are solid in the word. And there's going to be this spirit movement and this word movement that are going to come together. And when they come together, it's going to be that two-edged sword like in Ephesians 6. And it's going to eventually birth the greatest move of God to ever hit the planet. I genuinely believe with all my heart that is our generation. And Kenneth Hagin spoke of the same things. William Branham had the same things. Uh, Bob Jones, before he passed, he said the same thing. And I think we're genuinely seeing it because I – I mean, just using myself and friends that I have around me, for examples, I mean, I didn't I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I've only been reading the Bible for a limited number of years, but yet I feel like the Lord has quickened my spirit and, and put a grace on me, which is so special that not too many people have. But I see other people our age as well. I mean, I see you look how fast you're launching in. And even though you're in a family of ministers, if anything, what that does is it sets the standard even higher for you. Many people think just because you're born into a family of ministers that suddenly you just have an easy door. No, what that means is that you actually have a higher standard that you have to meet up to because of the fact that you have successful ministers in your family, but you're seeing it all over. I mean, if anyone follows like the circuit riders, the YWAM movement, carry the all these other groups all across America, especially right now, you're seeing young people move and flow in the power of God. Like I don't think any generation has seen before or since and on top of that, for, I don't want to say a lot of them, but some of them know the Bible, too. <laughs> <Which laughs> yeah. And I, I think right now, Kenneth Hagin, before he passed, he had a very powerful, very powerful uh, prophetic word that he shared. And do you know who Bill, Billy Brim is? Uh, I don't actually know. So Miss Billy Brim, she's a prophetess, very, very connected with Brother Copeland and his ministry. She's been around for a long time. She's amazing with like end time prophecy, all that stuff. She's okay. just a, an amazing woman of God. She was Kenneth Hagin's uh, right hand woman for like a decade or something like that. So, wow. Yes, yeah, she sat right underneath him. She's, uh, yeah, very credible. But she came and preached at our church a number of months ago. And I met her briefly, just said hello to her. And the second service that she had preached at after the morning service later that night, she got up on stage and the pastors had shared my story a little bit with her and what we're seeing in the area. And she pulled out this old written Kenneth Hagin prophecy and Kenneth Hagin, before he passed, 
prophesied that this generation was going to be raised up and there was going to be such a quickening in the spirit like nothing anybody's ever seen before and it was going to blow people's minds that the lord was going to give our generation the ability to memorize the word like never before the ability to function in the gifts like never before that this like joel 2 prophecy was going to continue to unfold on our generation and that we were going to see the greatest move of god that's ever hit the planet and wow. uh, I'm excited, too, because I firmly believe it. You can feel it. There's a quickening, obviously, with Jesus coming back very soon. There's a rapid movement in the spirit right now for anybody that's just willing to grab on and go along for the ride and remain obedient. Yeah, definitely. You know, one thing that I like when I pray, I feel the Lord, you know, put on my spirit to pray for. But I always pray, Lord, allow there to be signs and wonders and miracles in my meetings you know I, I want there to be a demonstration of god's power not just empty words or you talk about something and it's very well constructed you have all your points together you have all the examples you have all these stories you know and people have become very 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 good at speaking i mean there's there's many many good speakers but there's very very few demonstrators and i don't, I don't know if you agree with that but i i feel that it's just Amen. One thing I, I really resist, you know, and I again, I don't want to come off as like the Ebenezer Scrooge of Christianity that everything's terrible and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like this whole movement of conference speaking and, you know, you, you just do like 45 minutes of a conference and then you don't even pray for people at the end. You don't even give an opportunity for people to receive Christ. You don't lay hands on people. There's no Charge 100 bucks no at the door. Right. You don't, yeah, you, you don't do things biblically, but you charge per seed and everything is like branded and you sell T-shirts and you sell merchandise. And it's just like, I don't want to be a part of that. You know, like I want to be a part of something where God's spirit is moving so mightily that signs and wonders are flowing in every direction. And I believe um, there was a, a minister that approached uh it's either Oral Roberts or Lester Sumrall, and he asked them the secret to growing a church. And I don't know if it's Oral Roberts or Lester Sumrall. It's one of the two. But he said, the secret is you preach until you feel the anointing reverberate off the back wall and hit back at you. And it's kind of a very, um, a very interesting answer to that question, how to grow a church. But I think what he was trying to get across was you preach until the anointing hits. And then when the anointing hits, you allow the spirit to do what he wants to do. And, uh, you know, one of the things he said was, if someone can come to your meeting with stage four cancer and leave without that cancer and have that cancer be completely healed, then there won't be a line big enough to withstand the amount of people that will come to hear you preach, you know, because right. it's not it's not just you talking. There's an actual proof to your your preaching. And that's how Jesus preached. I mean, the Bible says in John 2, 23, that there were great crowds that followed Christ when they saw the miracles that he did. And so, you know, people will criticize miracles, criticize signs and wonders. But in reality, signs and wonders are what confirm the message. What's the point of preaching that Christ is a healer and he'll heal your body and he'll take away sickness and disease and all this stuff. And then no one ever gets healed. No one ever gets a miracle of something that God did in their body it would be very pointless. No. So um, there has to be a demonstration. You know, one thing my grandfather said that I've always remembered was a revelation without a manifestation is a frustration. <laughs> and so 
It's not enough to just know a lot about God. It's not enough just to know the things that he can do, but it takes prayer and fasting and a submitted spirit for the spirit to actually demonstrate and manifest what the promises of God say that we can walk in. And I believe that with all my heart, you know, when I pray for revival, when I pray for God to um, move in me and help people understand who he is, is there has to be a revealing of his power in the realms of signs and wonders and miracles. And, you know, I believe that with all my heart that God's going to do that. I believe it too. Have you so quickly? I I mean, I got to get going in about five minutes, but I do want to know this. Yeah. So in your meetings, I know, Oh shoot. It had to be a couple of months ago. I saw in one of your meetings, you had like young people bringing up vapes and stuff like that. So has there, have you seen a good like demonstration of power in your meetings or an increase recently since you've been preaching more and more? Yeah. I mean, um, in that youth, that was a youth event at a church I did and it was during COVID in New York. And so we were out in a tent and uh, I was preaching just on the Holy spirit. And when I did just conviction broke out and there was probably six or seven teenagers that had vape pens and cigarettes and different stuff like that. And they started reaching in their pockets at the altar call and just throwing it on the altar. And uh, they got fed off the Holy ghost that night. uh, Many of them and, they just kind of rejected uh, that lifestyle and things like that. So that was pretty amazing. But um, I will say there is a desire in me to fast and pray for greater miracles and signs and wonders. Uh, not, not, not that I'm not thankful for what God's done, but, you know, you read these stories, Talon, of limbs growing back or <laughs> some, someone, someone that doesn't have a left foot and <laughs> a foot grows back. And it's like, um, I want to see that kind of stuff, you know, so I haven't seen those kind of things yet, but I would really, I want to see those things happen, bef- you know, before uh, it's all over for sure. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Do you have uh, what's like one good story that you have from either one of your services or one of the services <laughs> that you've been to where you've seen like a, a radical healing or a solid testimony that really stood out to you? I'm um, sorry, uh, the uh, maid just walked in and handed me towels. <laughs> but um, uh, let, me th- let me think. You know, I-, I tell this one a lot, but when I was a kid in my dad's church, my dad was preaching. There was a man that had uh, a problem with his legs where one leg was longer than the other. And so he walked with a limp because he had one leg that was longer than the other. And so my dad sat him down on a chair during service. And uh, held both of his legs out on the camera. You know, I remember seeing it as a little kid. And you could clearly see that this guy's leg, uh, I believe it was his left leg, was like three or four inches longer than the other. You know, pretty significant. You could definitely see it on the camera. And my dad held this man's legs and was praying in the Holy Ghost and uh, got the anointing oil and started laying hands on him and praying. And as he was praying, you could see... Uh, the man's leg come out to the same length as his other leg and God completely uh, lengthened that man's leg and gave him a creative supernatural miracle. And uh, as a little kid thinking to myself, you know, this is real. You know what I mean? Like when you see stuff like that, that will do something for you that 18 million hours of, of sermons can't really do for you. You know what I mean? Like when you actually (laughs) see, see stuff like that, I mean, it changes your life forever. And uh, honestly, I could say, like, 
to this point in my own ministry, I haven't seen those things take place in my meetings yet. You know, I'm, and I'm just starting out, but uh, I definitely am very, very stirred. And I, and I want to see those kinds of miracles in my own meetings. Um, and I believe it will happen soon. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, there's definitely some higher levels of creative miracles that I want to get to for sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. And you will. I mean, yeah, the way you preach and how, how young we are, I mean, it's gonna, it's bound to happen, you know, and I think about one of the first times I saw a Rob, and this changed my life forever. I don't even think I've told Jonathan this or not, but when I got connected with, with him and, and just listened to the solid, like word of faith preaching was a year ago in St. Louis. And I had already been going buck wild, getting people saved and just doing whatever I knew to do. I mean, I didn't know much about evangelism at all. I mean, I had no professionality behind what I was doing, but I was just going for it anyway. And <laughs> I saw, I went down to one of his meetings because my spiritual father said, Hey, I heard to this guy, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And at the time I was down in Grand Canyon university in Arizona, leading people to Jesus on their campus, leading like, uh, just running around to their worship events, like praying for people, stuff like that. It was just, it was awesome. We, we did a great, had a great job done there, yeah. but he said, I heard of this guy, evangelist, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I f- have a feeling you're going to connect with him. I want you to come with me to St. Louis. So I went down there. I wasn't thinking anything of it really. And, uh, I, I mean, I was so far removed from what professional evangelism looks like. I'll put it that way. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure Jonathan <laughs> would laugh if I called him a professional evangelist, but I mean, he is. So I, uh, we get down there and I listen to this guy preach, man. <laughs> I remember looking over and I was like, I looked at my buddy, Mike, and I said, what? I don't get this. All he's doing is preaching the word. I've never heard this before. And uh, which is so sad, you know, because like it was just so funny. <laughs> All he did was preach the Bible. And I was like, wait, you can do that. And it has that <laughs> much power, that much effect because I knew the word, but I just, I, I was always taught you like take one scripture and then you tell a 50 minute story about that one scripture <laughs> and how it pertained to like a three point sermon on how to tie your shoes. And uh, so that's what I, that's all I had seen when it came to the Christian world. I didn't realize there was power behind the word of God. And I watched this woman. She had so much faith stirred up. It reminded me of, of Paul down in Lystra. She gets up and she runs up to Jonathan and she says, I have a tumor on my esophagus and I need you to pray for me. I drove eight hours so that you would pray for me. And uh, he prays for the power of God smacks the woman. It's almost as if she gets like lifted off of her feet and she lands on her back and uh, she's out under the power. And I was like, what? Like I watched the demonstration of the power of God happen right in front of me. And my life was changed forever. She came back the next day, totally healed. Tumor was totally gone. And When I saw that, it marked me. Just like you said, there's something about watching a healing, watching a miracle. When you've set the standard that high in the miraculous, it will mark you to where you can never settle for watered down three-point sermons on how to have a cleaner kitchen ever again. (laughs) Like you, you, You literally can't. There's something about it. And at that moment, I became utterly obsessed. And man, ever since that meeting, my life is the direction with which how I preach how I evangelize the way that the Lord has taken me in life is radically different. You know, it's, it's amazing when people, I genuinely believe when people have their eyes focused on the supernatural power of God, just like Paul said that your faith would rest on the power of God and not the wisdom of man. When people's faith is rested on the power of God, I believe it's impossible to backslide because you're so, 
you're so consumed with who God is and what he's doing that you're so a part of it. You can't, I mean, you'd have to intentionally, just like you said in Hebrews 10, put Jesus back on the cross and like have to be a total idiot to walk away from that because it's so evident. Right. Yeah, definitely, man. I got some messages here, I think. Want me to play some of them? Yeah, go for it. All right, see, think of what we got here. Victor. I don't know Victor. Hey, uh, Preston and Taylor. I just, you guys, uh, you have like similar things happening. Preston, I listened to your thing about uh, killing cool Christianity. And Taylor, um, I listened to your thing about uh, Generation Z, which is my generation. So I thought that was really cool that you guys are like uh, about the Holy Ghost doing similar sort of things. You can, you can tell that it's kind of a similarity because it, they kind of touched on the same things, which was really cool. And it blessed me. So God bless you, too. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Thanks, Victor. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words. Looks like we got another one. Yeah. Let's see. Hi, Brother Taylor and Brother Preston. I'm so sorry. I joined in your guys' um, broadcast late. I just joined. Could Are you guys taking questions? Because I have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a question okay. about whether or not he can ask a question. Very interesting. That's like funny. Yeah, I... So I, I did have to go, but I just uh, had yeah, to yeah. plans. My roommate's going to go handle the prayer set, so I'll stay on here if you're oh, really? okay. answering some questions. Yeah, I mean, and if anybody has questions, feel free to ask. Um, it's fun. This app is pretty cool, so it's better than just doing a podcast because obviously there's live interaction with the listeners, so definitely ask away. Hey, while so, we're waiting for questions, I, want, I mean, let's have some fun with this. Uh, yeah. What's What's – What's the most wild thing? Because you've been in the church world much longer than me, so I want to hear just some funny yeah. stories. What's the most wild thing you've seen happen in a church service? Like a woman bust out a shofar, or like, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. What's something wild that you've experienced? Well, all right. So one time, my dad was preaching, and I'm sure you've been in services where there's a flag waver. Yep. Um, <laughs> one of these ladies that, for whatever reason, she takes it as her mission that her ministry is waving around a flag and being distracting during the service. And so one service, my dad's preaching. It wasn't in our church. He was actually traveling at the time. Um, there was a woman with the flag going around the sanctuary, like in a circle, like over and over again, like doing laps basically around the sanctuary. And uh, you can, you could see it on my dad's face that as he was preaching, he was being very annoyed because she was going, she wasn't just like in the back doing it or on the sides of the church. She was like stretching out and dancing across the center of the aisle, like in the middle of the platform. With the <laughs> flag. And so she keeps doing it over and over again. And then one, the final time she's coming across from the left side of the platform, like towards the center where my dad's preaching and he's preaching hard. You know, my dad, I don't know if you ever heard him preach, but he's like a fire and brimstone. Like if you think, uh, I preach harder or something. My dad preaches hard, like all the time. So he's like in the middle of a full blown service preaching. Now God will set you free. God will deliver. You know, like going in, and this lady comes across the center aisle, and as he's preaching mid sentence, he says, "I'm gonna trip her," <laughs> while he's preaching, and he sticks his foot out and trips this flag lady and tail and she, and she eats it in the middle of the service. She like hits the ground hard. And uh, 
without breaking a sweat, my dad just goes right back into preaching, never even missed a step, and went right back into his sermon after tripping the flag lady during the service. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. Dude, that was um, one of the funniest stories I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I'm sure you've heard the one that Jonathan tells about when he took the pole and snapped it, right? Oh, yeah. And, that's, were you yeah. there for that? I wasn't there for that, but that's also like in my top five, probably of like all time favorite stories. Um, there was one where this demon possessed lady came to our church in Virginia Beach and uh, she sat in the back and my dad like flows in the prophetic. And so he could sense like instantly that this lady was like demonized and had some some trouble. And so um, she starts manifesting during the service. And she like gets up and starts trying to like confront my dad. And obviously my dad wasn't having it. So he like rebuked her strong during the preaching. And then so she got offended and uh, got out of her seat and started walking to the back of the church. And my dad said, I can help you if you want me to. And then she like totally like just manifested again. But the funny thing was, is I don't know if you've ever seen this and this is kind of gross. But I'm sure you've seen like when people manifest or they get the the devil cast out of them, they'll vomit. You yep. ever seen that? So that sometimes can be a manifestation. But this time it came out the other end, Talon. So <laughs> uh, what happened was what happened was that as she was like storming out of the church, you could hear her like pass gas very, very loudly in the sanctuary. And with every step that she took, it was like a louder and louder. Uh, flat she looks <laughs> so it was like it was like as she took steps out of the church like, <laughs> like <laughs> super Man, that, loud. Oh, yeah that, and church started cracking up it was like the craziest thing that's ever happened probably that, ever that reminds me well uh makana i believe is how you pronounce your name makana we'll we'll get to your your audio in a second but i want to share this because this is dude that reminds me so i've i've had what maybe two or three instances, uh, maybe four, I can't remember, of people manifesting in my services and either walking out or, or getting the devil cast out of them. But the first time I had somebody manifest when I was preaching is we had a room in the back after the service. We did altar call, laid hands on the sick and everything. People were leaving. But in this room afterwards, you know how typically people will take them over to the side tent or side room to pray for people, give them instruction on how to stay plugged into the church, right. all that good stuff. So we had this room in the back where we were laying hands on people praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we go back there. We had two people that wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as we're praying for them, this was so funny. There's this bigger woman and uh, she's just weeping. She had just given her life to, to the Lord. She said, I want the Holy Spirit. And so we're praying for her and, and I'm in front of her. I'm praying for her. And she just lets out this gasp like never before <laughs> right into my nostrils, man. It just, and I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. But, but the, the funniest thing is, <laughs> I had never seen like anything like this before. I, I don't, I mean, I hadn't studied much demonology or anything, but there's another man that's right next to us and he's laying hands on this woman and he's praying in tongues. And all of a sudden he starts to manifest and hiss like a snake. And I was like, wow. what? Like, what is this? What is going on? And all you hear is, <laughs> and he's hissing <laughs> like a snake. And I'm like, I push him off to the side and my friend takes him and the dude runs over to this trash can. No joke. He starts puking 
uh, sneezing and farting all at the same time as it's being delivered <laughs> while I'm praying for these two women to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like in the same room, it was so funny. And this dude just slumps against the wall, gets delivered. No one has any idea what's going on. I was like, I didn't even know demons went out that way. So that was just <laughs> funny, man. Oh, my goodness. That reminded me of that. want to hear a funny one, too, is I was preaching one time. And as I was preaching, I just heard like a weird noise. Um, it was like a like a click sound, like click, 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 click. And um, I was like, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, but then I noticed that there was a man like towards the back of the church that had his shoes and his socks off and was clipping his toenails <laughs> during the service. And uh, you know, it's one th- it's one thing to clip maybe even your fingernails. But to go all the way to take your shoes and socks off and go for the toenails is a total different level of boldness that is uh, pretty amazing. But anyway, a whole another level of disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let's see uh, this question. Here. Many apologies. The dumbness of that question hit me as soon as I sent it in. Well, I just wanted to say. Preston, I I heard your guys's I heard your thing on Instagram about how about how watered down church can be and uh Taylin, I'm I'm gonna watch your Generation Z thing on Instagram too. Well I'm fifteen years old. I am in Generation Z. I'm fifteen and the Lord called me to be an evangelist. And it's funny you guys are talking about Jonathan because I also spoke with him. He bought me a PlayStation five and because I'm planning an evangelistic crusade at my school and I'm believing God to shake my entire generation and to see revival break out. So any advice you guys have for me before I go out and let it rip from my generation and see people saved and preach the gospel, any advice you have, I'd really appreciate it. Love you guys. Man, that's cool. I think uh, I remember hearing that story. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, McKenna, you live in Hawaii. I believe I think I remember listening to Jonathan share that, but uh, why don't you go first Preston? Yeah. Well, um, like I mentioned earlier on this live that uh, this week is actually my first outreach that I'm doing. So I'm sure Taylor will be more equipped to answer your question. Uh, But what I can say is people, I think more than ever know when something is authentic or when something is phony. And so, McKenna, I don't know you very well, but I can tell that you seem like a very genuine young guy, and I can tell that you love the Lord. And so one thing I've learned is just being obedient to say yes to the Lord and do it is like 85% of it. You know, obviously prepare and pray and get things in your spirit to share. Um, But just you being someone that is brave enough to do it I think the, that God's pleased by that and God will bless it and people will be impacted by it. And just for like preaching advice, I would just stay, try to stay as basic and to the Bible as you can. Don't try to get into too many uh, far off things, but try to stay just on the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, um, salvation, things like that. And I think it's going to be a great thing. And I think you'll do very well. And Another thing is don't be discouraged if maybe it doesn't go the way you want it to. Uh, Just be faithful and keep doing it, and uh, it's going to be great. 
I think it's going to be really good. So I'll let Talon answer more effectively because he's done more things like that than I have, obviously. So no, I, I think that's that's spot on. I remember your uncle Ted said something that uh, really struck me one time, and he said before the age of thirty, I think he gave this to uh, or Teddy. Yeah, he gave this to Teddy. He said before the age of thirty, don't don't go beyond the boundaries of preaching on Jesus, the savior, Jesus, the healer, Jesus, the baptizer, the Holy ghost and Jesus, the soon coming King. And yeah. I think anyone, I mean, it's, it's been a lot that I've stuck to myself. Do I have sermons on other topics? Yeah, I do, but they all tie into those four basic pillars and anything that I preach, I've actually done my best to make sure that I keep that rule at the center of everything that I preach, that no matter what, when I preach, it comes from one of those four lanes and it always ties back into one of those four lanes. And I think yeah. if you can keep it that simple, like Preston said, you'll watch the, I mean, there's an anointing on all four of those messages, no matter what, there's an anointing on the word of God regardless. But if you can just make it simple and you can preach from those four points of views and get those doctrines, then, I mean, man, it not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You'll watch the Holy Ghost just touch people, draw people to Jesus. If you just lift up the Son of God, uh, I think it was, was it Lester Summerall or can't remember who it was that said, if you brag about Jesus long enough, he shows up. You know, it's, yeah. you just you preach the basics of, uh, of Jesus and what he did and uh, who you are once you give your life to him. And you'll watch anybody, young, old, fat, skinny, they will all receive a touch from heaven. And yeah, I really like what you said, Preston, about if if it doesn't go the way that you think, if you don't have two million people at your school campus when uh, you go out there to preach, don't get don't get too ruffled up about it. You know, there's despise not the day of small beginnings. You just never know when that moment's going to come when suddenly the momentum that you've been building up in the spirit pours out like a mighty wave. So just be diligent, keep going after it, hold on to the promises and the prophetic words that may have been spoken over your life, press into those and just believe God and you'll watch him show up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, that just encourages me, you know, because like we've been talking about, <clears throat> there's people that God's raising up all over the place. And uh, it's really awesome to see, you know, one thing that I think we both feel is that, and so I, I really love that. They're doing that McKenna. Is it McKenna? It's, it looks like it sounds like Makana, but I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. And in Hawaii too, that's awesome. We used to do, Jonathan used to do mission trips to Hawaii and we'd go with them. And uh, it was always fun going there. So it's going to be great, yeah, man. Proud I don't of you. know if Jonathan told you or not, but where, where he went to go do those missions trips is actually where I used to live. Oh, really? Yes. How were you there? I like, was there from... Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'll just pull it way back because it's kind of crazy. I was talking to Jonathan about this. You, you remember, I think maybe it was when uh, we were in Oklahoma. I can't remember. But uh, I was sharing with him that that same town up in Palmer, Alaska, I think either Tiff, I'm pretty sure Tiff had preached yeah. up there multiple times up at King's Chapel. Yeah. So, is, is that was Silla? Or what is so, that? Well, there's – oh, uh, Yeah. Like right around there, it's that same area where I used to live as a kid as well. And then in uh -huh. Hawaii, I lived in the same place that Jonathan helped to start that church. And wow. uh, yeah, I was just like, man, what a small world. I lived what, in. Is that, was, your, was your dad like in the military or something? Like, why were you guys there? No, he, so my dad was a meat manager for the Safeway 
uh, union or whatever. So he was like a meat department manager. So he could transfer basically at will whenever he wanted uh-huh. to in Safeway. And that's what he would do. He, when I was living in Alaska, that's what he did up there. And then my parents had split up and my dad ended up moving back to California and I went with him then. And then we decided to go up to Maui and we lived up there for, he stayed up there for about 10 years, but I was up there for a little under two years, went to school there for a little bit and then went back to California to go live with my aunt and uncle through middle school and high school. Oh, wow. So you've kind of been already, you're kind of a world traveler before you even became a preacher. It's pretty cool. Something like that. Yeah. And I actually <laughs> just found this out too, when I was at the river uh, a few months back at the camp meeting and Rodney apparently hosted a crusade in my small town in California too. So it's like, man, the spirit of the Lord's been following me this whole time. And I didn't even know it. He's been drawing you in for a while. It's awesome, man. Amen. Amen. Well, th- this was fun. I-, I really enjoyed it. This app's pretty cool. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. I'm, I'm sure you got to go prepare. What are you preaching on tomorrow? Well, you know, I'm going to take my own advice. I'm probably just going to keep it simple. You know, just preach on deliverance through Christ and the hope of Jesus. And, you know, my hope is that there's a lot of unsaved people, obviously. So, Amen. you know, what would an unsaved person want to hear? Obviously, the hope of Christ and just simple things. And so that's pretty much going to be my focus for these next three days. And uh, it's going to be good. I hope. I mean, I know the Lord will move, but uh, like I said, it's my first time doing like an outdoor outreach style preaching. So it'll definitely be a learning experience as well, but it'll be good, man. I'm excited. Man, that's going to be fun. Well, hey, my prayers and my blessings go to you, man. Go and tear it up. The Lord's going to do mighty things through you. Yeah, likewise to you, man. You're crushing it. I love seeing what you're doing. It's going to get bigger and bigger for sure. Love it, man. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's do this again soon. Definitely, man. Uh, Just let me know anytime. Good talking Uh with you. All right, everybody. See ya. See ya.